I hope tonight you're happy. Are you happy? Are you joyful? Good. Earlier service, we were joyful. I was sitting right where Danny is sitting. I, I just, I was like, why am I getting so happy? But then there was a smell that came along with the happiness. And there were some folks outside the door burning stuff so hard that we were in here choking on it. So I'm like, this is a distraction. Like this is, you know, so I walk over, I open up the door and there's a guy outside. He's, you know, he's doing his thing. And I go, hey, bro, we're having like a, a church service in here. We're, we're having a prayer meeting. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, bless you. I'm, I'm going to go. And if I would have had my wits to me, I would have said, you know what? Come in here. You'll find better peace in God's presence than you will in what you're smoking. And then after the service, I contrast that against there was a guy that came forward after the service, and uh, we were, his name was Daniel, and we were just talking, and um, he's been coming for a couple of months here to the church, and uh, he's like, you know, there's just, he's, I don't know how to describe it. Interesting guy, I think he said, I had like hearing dyslexia, he either said 56 or 65 countries he's been to. Around the world, he's a cor- like a news correspondent, and he's traveled all over the place. And he goes, man, I've been in mosques in every country. I've been in temples. I've been in churches. I've been everywhere. He goes, but there's something so different about this church. There's something like, it's like an energy. He's like, I don't know how to describe it. And he's, he's, he's working through his faith. He's like, it, it's just, it, what is that energy? I was like, that's the grace of God. That's, that's, his, that's his peace. That's his just who he is making himself real to people that are reaching out to him. And I just, that was such an interesting contrast. One guy's in here and he's sensing something. We had people at the end, we stood up, we prayed for somebody. He stood, he was one of the people that stood. I said, hey, if you're around him, could you just stand up and show him some support? Put put hands on him, just begin to pray over him. And he said he just was back there, people were praying for him and he just was weeping because of this sense of peace, the sense of grace that he had in here uh, at the 12 o'clock service. Contrasted against that. You know, the world's crazy. This past week I've been reminded of how elusive peace is. For unbelievers, for believers, I had an unbeliever in my office this week, uh, a wife who is a husband and a, he's got like this rare disease and he's dying and he'll probably die within the next couple of months. She's torn apart by it. And so we sat, we were trying to talk it through, uh, but no, no peace, no peace. By her admission, no peace. Unbeliever. And then had a, another person that was a believer in my office, and they were talking. They're, they're a Christian, been a Christian for a short amount of time, but they're a Christian. And in Christ, they're struggling to find peace. Peace is so elusive. Like, I'm coming to church, I'm doing the things, but man, I just, how many of you have ever felt like some days you just don't want to wake up? Well, I was like, bro, I've been there, I've done that. So I just thought, you know what, I'm going to talk about peace today. It just seems to be a theme of the day. And if I could, I'll just start reading a passage of Scripture to you. This is a prophecy. We are very familiar with it in the Christmas season. It comes from Isaiah, the ninth chapter. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Not, not government as we understand it, like civil government, but like something far more meaningful. Spiritual rule. Government will be upon his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. I left out everlasting father. But it goes on to say, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. Peace forever. Can we say amen to that? Peace forever. I can't wait for that peace to be made more real in my life in this world. But it goes on to say, and the zeal 
and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So what's God jealous for? What is he zealous for, rather, tonight? He is zealous to see the government of his peace to be made more real in our lives and in this world. Maybe you came in here tonight and you're struggling to find that place of rest, that sense of peace. Oh, good. We're going we're gonna to have some before we go out. But that peace was something that wasn't just prophesied. That peace was something that was celebrated. You flip to the second chapter of Luke. It says bunch of angels gathering around the birth of this long-awaited prophetic child. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel and he praised God saying, glory to God in the highest of heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So are you a person of God's favor this evening? Raise your hand if you are. Some of you are like, I hope I am. If you're a Christian, you are. That favor rests upon you, which means that peace is your inheritance. That peace can be very elusive. That peace, we'll talk about what it is in a second, but let's talk about what it's not. It's a sense of things just not being right. It's a sense of tension that comes from just chaos that's going on inside of us, that's going on around us, that's going on in things that we see, that's happening in places that we don't see. It's, It's just an unsettled kind of disposition of creation because creation isn't following what it was purposed to be. And that's because of what? You and I. Because of what? The choice that we make to say we're going to do it the way that we see fit. But that's what Jesus came to overthrow. That's the kingdom that he came to break. The throne and the government that he comes to establish is one that's spiritual and it's everlasting and it's a, it's a kingdom built on peace. You know, proof of it is when you look at the history of Rome, you know, Pax Romana. I was a history major in college, and so I'd done a lot of reading in history. And Pax Romana, this thing of the Romans kind of imposing peace everywhere that they went. You can say, well, it was like Roman peace, but was it really peace? It was peace had at the expense of kind of exploitation and conquer and submission. So you're, you're the people of Israel, and you have these guys roll in from Rome, and they start imposing on you what they think is the right way of living. It certainly didn't feel like peace to the Israelites. And the Israelites have been run over for generations. But then this child is born. And us, this baby is given. The angels celebrate. Peace has now finally been established in this earth. And what happens when the child comes? There is an an attempt to overthrow him by, what, this King Herod who tries to kill him and create more chaos. But that that wasn't going to be any part of this king's future. This king was going to do what he came to do. There was a zeal in the heart of the father that would overwatch it all to say, no, this is going to change. So that baby grew into a man. That man went to a cross. Through that cross, peace was made between God and man. The God-man took on our sin, and taking on our sin, he buried it in a grave, and those that would put their hope in what he did would come to have peace with God. And because of that peace, they would have peace within. And that sense of rest that would happen in their soul would become something that would begin to dominate the way that they relate to the world around them, which would bring peace to the world around them. And no matter what would come against them, because that same enemy that tried to do away with a little baby would be the same enemy that would try to do away with this kingdom extending and pushing people back and trying to put them in a position where that peace wouldn't be seen. And yet, 
There was security even in that. There was peace of God saying, I got you. I'm in control of this now. I have the government that has the keys over everything, and I am ruling what I've purposed into this world. So Pax Romana turns into Pax Christiana. Jesus, in a matter of 300 years, proof that he would begin to overturn the chaos of this world. He takes a kingdom that was established through bloodshed and through submission, and he turns it on his head in 300 years. By what? More tyranny? More oppression? No. Through hearts filled with peace. See, that's why you got to be careful today when you think about the cause of God. The cause of God that's been advanced in the world hasn't come through political means. It's come through a spiritual approach to life. Jesus didn't come off a cross and start slinging lightning bolts at everybody that was opposing him. He let himself be pinned to a tree and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. It was a higher order of bringing about this governance that would change everything. And it's a governance that would be established by that sacrifice that would make peace. So that peace is something that is supposed to have visited you and I. God's continued through history, and we were here today because it's been extended to us where we are today because there is a zeal that this Father has over this gift that he's given to the world to say this gift will find place and rest in people's hearts. So we're in a season where we're celebrating that, and I just want to remind you, I don't care what's going on in your life today. I don't care what health issues you might have. I don't care how relational dynamics can be twisted and things that have happened in the past are broken and you're not wanting to go home to a family because there's weirdness in how the thing played out or this job that you just lost or whatever could be going down right now in your life that you're sitting in here and you're going, yeah, I'm a Christian, but that peace is kind of elusive to me today. Jesus is saying, take heart. I'm going to finish what I started, but I do need your help. And that's where I want to get to this verse. It comes from Matthew, the 11th chapter, starting in verse 28. It's just short two verses, three verses. It says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, from gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, a little context here, like Jesus has just finished up. This interaction with some Pharisees, this interaction where some of John's disciples came to him. John the Baptist's disciples had come and said, like, are you really the guy? And he sends them back. But then then he starts to rebuke this generation that has been exposed to this prince of peace who's come. He says, woe to you, Chorazim, woe to you, like... People that, you, that, that witnessed all of these signs and wonders that have attested that I am the Prince of Peace. You've turned on it. You've rejected it. And because you've rejected it, you're in a place where your heart is now so hard. And yet, here I am. The answer to your problem, you're turning from. So, to the Pharisees who are giving him such a hard time... You've studied the scripture, waiting for me to come. I'm here. I've proven to you that I am who I say I am, and you're still rejecting it. And then all the other people that are just, you know, casual, everyday, just Israelites doing their thing, but kind of waiting for this long-anticipated Messiah, they see all of this. They see blind eyes open. They see people delivered from demons. They see all of these incredible things. They only could say that this person is from God. This person is God. And yet they reject it, which is just a challenge to us today. Just saying, you got to think about this. This season where we're celebrating the coming of the Prince of Peace, that we're supposed to know his peace in our lives. 
Perhaps we don't know that piece tonight because we're so used to just hearing and kind of talking about great things that God's done, but never really settling on, on the one and focusing on the one who's made it all possible. You can come to church and not come to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Rest is peace. Weary and heavy laden. Two words in the original language that I think are interesting pictures. They kind of speak of different positions we can be in as people just trying to figure it out, fumbling through sin, trying to trust God. Weary. It's like a picture in the original language of a guy who, warrior, sword in hand. The Israelites would have looked at the the Roman soldiers and gone, yeah, this is a picture of them in battle, swinging, fighting through the things that just would seek to try to kill and destroy them in life. They're fighting to the point where there's nothing left. There's no more juice to fight. Remember one time I was in military school and uh, my freshman year we had to we had to take boxing classes, we had to take wrestling classes, and they were back-to-back. I don't know if you've ever boxed or you've ever wrestled, but it's, it'll wear you out. If you do it for an hour, either one of those things, by the end of an hour, you're, you're pretty spent. Not like you're shadow boxing, but you're actually fighting with somebody, and you're going back and forth, and by the time you get to the end of an hour, you're exhausted, but they're like, okay, now get ready for boxing. So by the time you get into boxing class, you got to keep your hands up so you don't get punched in the face, but then you're so tired from wrestling, like you can barely get your arms up, and you're like... Oh, my gosh, because the other guy, they didn't have wrestling with you the class before, so they got a little bit more energy, and you're, like, trying to get yourself, but you're so worn out. You're just like, that's a picture of life. Sometimes when we just try to figure it out and we're trying to fight through all the things that come against us, we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting, and sometimes we're fighting against ourselves. but it's not like we're always trying to push back an enemy. Sometimes we're just fighting through life with things that we think make sense and we're, we're drinking ourselves into a place where we're completely out of control or we're getting high like the guy outside and this is all forms of like fighting, but when you get to the end of it, you're just whooped and you're exhausted and a drink doesn't do anything and a relationship doesn't do anything and... I just had somebody in my office this week like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I've been there. But what's that a sign of? It's not a sign that you're coming to a Savior. It's a sign that you're not. The other one is heavy laden. It's a picture of a beast of burden, a picture that has got stuff stacked on it, like a camel or a you know, a cow or whatever. And this thing has got so much stuff on it that it finally take out like one little last thing. It's, it's, it's buckling under the weight of everything. And then you just drop a little something on it. And that thing flattens like a pancake and can't move anymore. Heavy laden. It's a picture of life. It's almost kind of maybe even a picture of what we can do as we're fighting through life and we're trying to fight off whatever this world is and all the sin that we're, that's coming against us and it's whooping us. And now we're like, okay, well, now I got to try to focus on God. See, he was speaking to the, the Pharisees when he was saying this, too. They were a part of the conversation. What were they doing to people? They were laying burdens on people. They were saying, no, you got to do this. It's the Sabbath. you got to make sure you wash your hands. you got to make sure you walk out your door this way. They, they had a 1,000 prescriptions for a law. And the people were just like, you know what? I can't do this. I'm trying to fight through life, and then you're going to load me up with a bunch of these responsibilities, which just make this even seem more hopeless because I can't fight off life, but then I can't even bear the burden of what God's asking me to do. And Jesus is saying, you have to do anything. Would you just come to me? I'll give you rest. I don't, I don't need your attempts. I don't need you to try to figure out how to solve your fight. Like, I... I, I I am the answer to all of that. If you're here today, you're heavy. 
you're whooped, you're worn out, you have no more fight. It's a sign that you haven't come to Jesus, and you can do that as a Christian. You got to come to him every day, right? It's not a one-off where I like started this 35 years ago, and I'm like, I'm good. No, it's step by step, it's day by day, it's moment by moment. Jesus, I need you. That is a coming to him. And anytime somebody finds themselves short in whatever, it's because they haven't come to him. See, when he says, come to me, let's just qualify that. Come to me. He's not saying come to church. He's not saying come to a Bible study. He's not saying come to like a home fellowship. He's not saying, you know, come to read the word. Come to, you got to come and pray. This is personal. This is intimate. Come to me. I care for you. I mean, consider this God who's so kind, so loving, and so concerned, so full of mercy and compassion that he breaks through the veil of creation in the form of a baby so that he could take on our sins, so that he could take on our existence, so that he can help to understand where we are and help to figure out in, in that place of, of our need to, to meet our need. Like, how concerned is he for us? He loves you tonight. He loves everything that you're, maybe not everything that you're doing, maybe not everything that you're thinking, but he loves you and everything that it does to you. And he's saying, come to me. Come to me. It's personal. It's intimate. Come to me. I have gone through the motions. So this is, this might seem like, oh, you're really camping out on this. I'm a pastor. I have to read the Bible every day. I got to come and I got to counsel people every day. I can go through the motions with the best of you. And actually think I get a pass because I'm a pastor. The truth is, I can do all of that and go through the motions and have no peace. Because I'm not really coming to him. Just saying. We can get whooped. We can get worn out. We can get broken. It's all a sign that we haven't come to him. But what are we coming to him for? Just a reminder. I already said it before. Peace. In the New Testament, it translates like rest. But in the Old Testament, that peace was shalom. It's a picture of a few different things. Like, I have peace with God. Do you realize today, I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care what battles you're trying to overcome. You have peace with God. If you put your hope in Jesus, he looks at you and he does not see you. He doesn't see your sin. He sees what his son has imputed to your account. In the court of heaven, this is a doctrinal positional thing. You've been perfected. Like God's looking at you going, that's my boy. Yeah, but don't you see what I'm struggling with? No, I I see what you're struggling with, but you're my boy. Well, how can you be my boy? Because my son has made you righteous. We have peace with God tonight. And because we have peace with God, I was trying to explain this to somebody earlier today. Because you have peace with God, his presence can now come inside of you. Why would he come to you if he weren't interested in the most intimate internal part of who you are? He's come to the place of your greatest need. He's taken up your heart and made it his home. How do you not have rest with yourself? He's come to give you rest. You don't, you don't have to try to be something. He fully loves you and is con- not content with like you're stuck in your sin, but who you are as a person, what he made you to be. He's with you because he's like, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. No, he said that about Jesus, but Jesus gave you his record, his account. So you're a son and daughter just the same. Does he not love you with the same kind of affection as a father? Don't we say father when we pray? then he has to look at us the same way. Well, that should give me some rest in my soul, which means I can have peace with you because I really don't care what you think. You might not like me. I love you the best way that I can. But if you're not working with me, I'm like, good, I'm okay because I know who I am. I know who I am. 
It's not about like having self-esteem. It's knowing a God that loves me and my value comes from his love and so I rest in it and I'm good. So you like it, great, let's get along. And if you don't, I'll still love you. But I, I don't even have a conflict with you anymore. Even if you want to kill me, God can give me the grace and I'll spread my arms wide and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's what his life in me will do. And then he's got this thing for me. He's watching over my life. He has a plan for it. And he's trying to work through the circumstances of my day to bring about good. So he's protecting me. Nothing is happening to you today where you can say, well, I don't have peace because look at what God's allowing to happen. He's allowing it to happen because he loves you. He's allowing it to happen because he's trying to use it to bring you to a good place. Got a couple of people that aren't going through struggles that can say amen to that. The rest of us that didn't probably are going through something like, yeah, I'm not amen on that. But it's true. He's watching over you. He's with you. And he's going to complete the work that he's begun. Because he is zealous for that reign of his peace to be made more complete in your life. I'm done. I just wanted to highlight truth from God's word. You and I have got to do our part. Well, how do we do that? We got to ask, Jesus said, come to me. So we're going to take a second, we're going to come to him, and we're going to ask him to make that peace alive. Now, you already prayed with somebody before you came in, but I'm going to ask you to pray again before you leave. If you're with your spouse, you can talk to your spouse. If you're not, just men with men, ladies with ladies, I would ask you to simply say, this is what I need more peace for. Just it could be a broken relationship. It could just be some, I'm really at this besetting sin. You have to like become a confessional and tell them what it is. Just I've been struggling with this area of sin in my life and I just can't shake it. Begin to pray for one another. God, in this Christmas season where we are celebrating the Prince of Peace, would you allow his government to become more and more real in my brother or my sister's life? Would you take a second, pray over him for that? And then we'll close. Would you mind standing up? Came to a prayer meeting. It's good to pray. Would you find someone, maybe different than you were praying with before? Break it up. Find a person. This is where I am. This is what I need more peace for. God, we thank you tonight for the promise of your peace. We thank you for the incarnation of your peace. We thank you that peace was found on a cross 2,000 years ago, and we thank you that because of it, as we've trusted in it, your peace has been made alive within. You're not just God who is with us. You are a God who is now in us. In the most intimate, personal way, you've made peace ours. We're thankful for it tonight, God. We want to see more of it in our lives. And we ask in this Christmas season that as we walk out these doors, our lives would be a reflection of that peace that the world doesn't have. And we're so thankful tonight that as a people, we can say there's nothing in this world that can take that peace from us. Peace is with us to the end. So we thank you, God. We praise you tonight that we have a peace that can't be taken. So we celebrate it and we ask you to use it that the world would see that peace and put its hope in it. In Jesus' name. Can we all say amen? We put our hands together and thank God for his peace. Listen, may God's peace be with you as you go. And as you go, be mindful on Saturday to come back out so that we can join together and spread that message of peace. Amen. Bless you. Have a great week.